So I'm on Facebook and I'm doing like I usually do. I'm just scrolling through, I'm scrolling through, I'm scrolling through. And then eventually something I see actually catches my attention and I have to focus on it. Um, these are the words that really, really got me. So here they are. There's a difference between coping and healing. Nowadays, we are often taught a bunch of coping mechanisms, but we are never taught to heal. We get the two confused. Coping is still carrying the burden, but finding ways to make it seem less heavy, momentarily giving you the appearance of a symptom alleviation. Healing is chipping away at the burden by directly addressing it until it's gone, totally alleviating you of its effects. These are the words of future Dr. Talisa Peck. Now, I'm no expert when it comes to coping versus healing, but I know people who are, and I know people who are read and studied. And today we have my friend, my frat brother, Mikhail Rozier on the show, here to talk about coping versus healing. Welcome to you, good bro. Hey, this is Sam Duke. And I'm Joe Duke. And we are here to check on you. You good, bro. This is a safe space for men to express their emotions. We are here to bring you a new definition of manhood, one topic at a time. Let's create a new generation of men that are emotionally aware and that are ready to improve these relationships. I know I'm trying to get good. I'm trying to get good. What about you? You good, bruh. Hey, yo, this is your boy, Sam Dupe, and I am here. Welcome to another podcast, the You Good Bro Podcast. Today, we got a special treat for you. I have one of my really, really good friends here, my frat brother. He is sometimes my counselor, the person I call when things are going crazy. He is probably what I consider our chapter counselor for Omega Sci-Fi, and he is probably one of the, the smartest people he knows a lot of history he's he's he has a calming spirit and he 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 definitely is that that calm voice in the storm is my brother and my homie Mikel Rozier Rozier I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) what's good you good bro (laughs) Mikel man we're here we're we're, we're, finally I'm I'm glad to have you man I'm glad to have you I think you know just just to give you an idea of what this is about man you good bro is is a platform we're, we're trying to get the fellas to understand their emotions better. Okay, yeah, yeah we, that, that, I, that's I, something that's needed. I, I can see why you want to kind of put some emphasis in that area. Yeah, um, man, I, I think I think a lot of we, we we think a lot of stories aren't told. A lot of the 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 stories about what it means to be a man and what the pressures that come along with it and things of that nature is like. Right. I think those stories haven't been getting told, and people have been taking. M- male emotions or masculine emotions kind of for granted uh, absolutely you know and and i i don't necessarily blame them you know it's not it's not uh it's not really a blame thing but i think when i talk to people i realize like they really don't get this you know they they're in and maybe it's a, a familiarity thing or i don't know uh i mean it goes so let's start at the basics uh to kind of help kind of shape what it is um when you talk about emotions everybody has emotions but what are they? Why are they? Mm. Um, in the beginning of time, when we started actually documenting time, our emotions were integral to us, integral to us being able to survive. 
if you think of it that way. Yeah. So uh, one of the most common or well-known emotion is fear. Fear is, uh, there's, a, there's a term that's very common called fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And fear is an energizing emotion. It can give you super strength. It can make you have abilities that are beyond what you would normally have. Um, and it's, it's, it's a chemical thing going on behind the scenes, but just, <laughs> just for the sake of the audience, um, you know, it, it, it exists for a purpose. Um, as time has gone on, we haven't had to survive in the in the in the, the grass fields of Africa anymore. We didn't have to worry about lions anymore. Uh, yeah, we've, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. You yeah, know what I mean? We it, got electric it, cars. It, 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 <laughs> we were brought a long way, and we've been we've come brought, as you say, you know, a subset of us brought to this uh, environment. But the but the 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 point is, is that those emotions still exist. Oh, okay. And and what do we do with them? Right. I'm not fighting off wild animals or, you know, so that's where it kind of gets tricky. At some point in history, it was not good for a man to show emotions. It was not good for him to show fear. It was not good for him to show sadness. Be a man. Be a man. Right. Right. Yeah. Whatever that is, yeah. whatever that is to the person that's saying it. Yeah. Because that's the that's the part that people miss is that what you perceive a man to be is what you'll project on somebody else when you, quote unquote, judge them on whether they're being a man or not. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because things that we do in our tribe or in our in our, in our our state and humanity, someone else in another country has a different version of it. Because it's synonymous that men must be men no matter where we are. I'll just speak about how things are here in America. You know, we just, we'll centralize it to America. Okay. Uh, American values, we have to be tough because we won the West. We were... <laughs> You know, we had to fight off savages. We had to stand up in, in the greatest generation. All this stuff is kind of coming out of the zeitgeist of America. It's, it's, that's our speak. That's who we are, the exceptionalism. And in that, being a man showing certain emotions is okay. So I can show uh, anger. Yeah, yeah. Aggression. Yeah. Uh, Nobody, everybody understands that, right? Everybody, or I could just be stoic, you know, no, no tears, you know, no, no type of brokenness, because at that point you're seen as weak, and those that are prey will prey on you. However, meekness, the Bible teaches us, is not weakness. Not to make Mm -hmm. it biblical, but I'm I'm touching, you know. You see why I told you I'm a killer? He is, he is that guy. See, we haven't even gotten into our topic yet, (laughs) and Mikael is in here dropping. He's dropping the gems, and I think it's it's definitely one of those things where you know we may have to have Mikael on the show a good bit more just to kind of expound on just the history because we wanted to do a show on just the history of manhood and the history of male male emotions. I think that. It's your knowledge base, man. Like it, it'll be a really good. I'm I'm thing open to any time. I'm open to anything that's going to help at least bridge that gap on me being seen as being human and not superhuman. Because the expectation of manhood in America is that we have to be superhuman, and that in itself is too much pressure, and that in itself is the leading reason why, in my humble opinion, that we precede our spouses and loved ones in death. Because we and we they, stress they, there you the go. death. There you go. And that, that's re- that's a part of why we started this. It's right. like I think because the all of those reasons that you just pointed out, you know, we're we're dying faster. 
Yep. We're holding on to things. And you you would think that you had these emotionless men, you know, back in the day. Like you look at your fathers, your grandfathers. And, and what you realize is they were they had the emotions. They were there. They just weren't exhibited. Right. Which kind of curbs into what did they do with them? Yeah. Um, and if you look at the history of our country, we have a tremendous relationship with addiction. Um, coping. Coping. Yeah. Coping. Yeah. Um, so different different coping skills. Coping skills is a generic term. The type of coping skill is whether it's negative or positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, for example, you very common in our country. You'll hear, you know, happy hour. When does happy hour happen? <laughs> right after every, every, everybody's looking for happy, happy hour, yeah. which means the preceding <laughs> and post hours are not happy. The, yeah, and yeah. they and they shape it around alcohol and um, and drug use. Because they tend to yeah. go together, you know. They people always talk about marijuana as a, a gateway drug, and mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. It's actually alcohol, but that's another topic, and I'll and I'll explain that in a minute. But okay. but the the thing of it is, is that we are uh, preservationists naturally. Our midbrain, our uh, reptilian brain, it is literally about survival. So we find things that help curb or calm anxiety. Anxiety is not a uh, is not supposed to be a constant state. That's what I'm getting at. Mm. Um, and your body is is always looking for balance. And we call it homostasis. It's always looking for balance. Mm-hmm. So I, meant, I referenced chemicals earlier. Everything that we do, laughter, sadness, anger, they're all chemically based. We are technically puppets on a string. Man. That may be a little hard for people to kind of to, to digest. To digest. They, they don't want to hear that. Like, but, <laughs> they don't, don't, don't want to hear that. And if if we were sitting here maybe six months ago before I've ever been in a therapy session, mm-hmm. I probably would be a little offended by it. <laughs> you know? But yeah. because now I've been, you know, I've been, I've been to therapy before and I've kind of, I've had interactions with the, with the therapist that kind of put it in perspective for me. Right. And helped me understand like some of those things, some of the things that I like some of the days that I come home and I don't want to be around my wife. I don't want to be around mm-hmm. my kids and I'm not in a happy state. He was like, look, a lot of that is just chemically induced. That's right. And it, the idea of that makes you feel like you're not in control. So, you, you know, well, I get, that, why, I think I get why, why you say that. Yeah. I get why you say that. But in actuality, the, I mean, literally in that moment, you know, in therapy, we try to keep people present, stay present. Most people, when they're anxious, are thinking about outcomes in the future. Um, if you think about the past, then you're pretty much buried. Like you're not even focused on living right now. Um, but what happens when you're in an anxious state your body is revved up, uh, and if you're in any, uh, put it this way: the 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 uh, emotion that precedes anger is fear. Okay, hmm. follow that. So whenever you've gotten into an argument with somebody, a belief that you had had been challenged, and the fear is that you're wrong. I'm trying to simplify it. The fear is that you're wrong, and because of that fear, you become more fight or flight aggressive oh man or you just kind of shut down because you don't yeah. want to find out that you're wrong you don't yeah, yeah. so I, I, i'm i'm there I, right at, a, at yeah. a simple form that's that is the <laughs> simplest way i could break down the relationship between fear and anger um so in therapy we try to talk to clients about well what is it that you're afraid that you're going to lose mm. what is it that you're afraid is going to be found out yeah because it's a defensive mechanism exactly, exactly. and so ultimately if you can kind of understand that this is chemically induced, 
you can change that that chemical reaction behaviorally. Um, also, help clients understand what they eat, how this, how what they eat. Yeah, these certain foods actually promote better mood. As we eat foods, they're metabolized into various minerals. I'm trying to break down the words. I don't want to be too oh, I mean, too high hey, on it, but hey, I, hey, I, you look, know, if I don't understand, so I'm gonna ask you to define it. So well, that's what I'm saying. So, like, we all need protein, right? Yeah, protein yeah. is is integral in metabolizing into dopamine, which mm. is the reward drug, if you will. So, anytime you do something good. Or anytime you do something like your to-do list, you feel good once you finish all your list, mm-hmm. you got a dopamine release. And you're like, oh, man, I feel good. About feel myself. better. I'm yeah, like, you feel hey, better. Hey, I feel like doing some other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That is how the body works. When I mean by puppets on the string, that's what I mean. We're very complex. Each part plays a part into making you make function. Make you feel better. Yeah, make through you... day to day. And sometimes you need to feel sad. So cortisol is uh, another one. It is stress. You need to feel sad. I I, I kind of I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. But what I have found is that for for fellas anyway, I mean, I'm not speaking for all guys, but I'm just going to speak in in general. I found that I I'm trying to figure out why do we push away from that emotion? You know, what what is it about dudes that is just like, all right, cuz you you ask a guy When's the last time you cried? Most of the time, they're going to be like, man, I don't remember the last time I cried. I had no clue. They're lying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, look, or they're saying it's been years, you know? It, it's a lot. It, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, listen, I listen. Know. Well, listen, this is what I will say. Um, I've, I've gone years without crying. Wait, well, yeah, let's I mean, be clear. With, with I don't mean boo-hoo. I'm talking about when your throat got tight, you know, you might have fought it see, back. See, this is the difference between talking to a regular person <laughs> and somebody who is trained for these type of things. Because what he is what you're saying is that when you got to that point, the fact that you held it doesn't mean it didn't happen. Right, exactly. Oh, There's no, you can't deny it, it was there. Okay, so I, I, that's what I'm saying. They're lying. They don't either. They don't recognize by you know ignorance. They don't know yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. what, what okay. we're talking about, or they're afraid that you're going to find out, and then they're going to get defensive if you push them on it. Follow what I'm saying? So, yeah, wow. wow. So that... it's at the end of the day, we are human. We are not superhuman. And the reason why, to answer your question, why we avoid it, it's not comfortable. And yeah. You, yeah. it's not comfortable because we judge ourselves, and we're not comfortable because those that may see us may judge us, and we're afraid of that. Because if you're seen in this society as weak, what does that mean? I said in the opening, you're prey. So... Wow. It's all it's all about self preservation. Yeah, I don't want to be seen as prey, so I, I better show up and show out, or else they gonna think they can take advantage of me. Okay. And honestly, that is a going out of business strategy. That literally is, for lack of a better phrase, a slow suicide. So speaking of being uncomfortable, since it since it's an uncomfortable thing, do you feel like is that why we 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 lean towards the coping mechanism? Yes. Is that, is, yeah, is, the, is the discomfort why we? Because the thing about it is this conversation versus coke. I saw, I read something on on Facebook talking about coping versus healing. Right. And this is a young lady who's actually in. She's in school to become a psychologist, and she was just saying that you know a lot of people think that they're they're actually getting past things, but really what they're doing they're coping. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and they're not really taking the steps that they need to do to heal. Right. And so is the discomfort you feel the main reason for people moving towards the coping side versus the healing or is it, you know, it absolutely is the discomfort like that. Mm-hmm. That literally is the only driver for lack of a better phrase, because if it was comfortable, we wouldn't need the coping mechanism. If you're cold, you turn on the heat because you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So anytime you're uncomfortable, you're looking for a relief of that discomfort. And the coping mechanism is just that. It's a relief. I mentioned drugs earlier. And the reason why that is so successful as a coping mechanism, not positive or negative, <laughs> just why it works, yeah, why it works. <laughs> is because it's causing a chemical reaction. Alcohol actually turns off the ability to write new memories. You ever heard people say they got blackout drunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what that is. Yeah, that yeah. blackout, they're still doing stuff. You know, they're still acting crazy. But the next <laughs> day, they can't remember none of the stuff that they did. Well, alcohol works so well. You blame it on the liquor. Well, it is. Yeah, yeah. The tech. <laughs> it, it's their choice to drink it. Yeah. So, but it, 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 when you give that alcohol the power, it works. Remember, we chem- we, we pump us on the string, and that, that's a chemical. Chemical, yeah. So when you put that, that chemical in your body, you are turning off executive function, meaning the filter that you need mm-hmm. um, to make sound decisions, and you're also turning off the ability to write new memories. Mm. So some nights you can remember some of it, but not all of not it. Not all of it. That yeah. is all chemical reaction. So it does work. So if you're going through something and you take a couple of drinks, guess what? Uh, what was I thinking about? You know, you yeah, just yeah, completely yeah, yeah. turn off and you start focusing on what's happening right now. You're laughing. What you were sad about is no longer an issue because you don't even remember it at the time. So you got to, you know, kind of keep that in mind that when people use these uh, substances, it is affecting the ability for the brain to function. Mm -hmm. And that's why that works. But there are other coping mechanisms out there. Yeah. And and so from 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 my standpoint, I'm I'm going to get it personal here. Because I'm I'm a master coper. I know how to cope. I know how okay. to <laughs> I'm not addicted to anything, but I do have I I do have things that I do when I'm in a, a stressful state. Okay. How do like what what steps could you take to get from all right, because coping there's a there's a need for coping, right? Like that's not like it's not necessarily always a bad thing to be able to cope. No, it's but it's tactical. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it, so there's a difference between a strategy you know, and, and I always try to paint it like you're in combat, right? Mm-hmm. There's a strategy to win the war, but the battles are won through tactics. Mm. So coping is a tactic. And the the, win, the strategy is to win the, the war with what's stressing you out. So you want to be able to identify what it is. So, you know, today I just use a, uh, a generic thing. My wife pissed me off today. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm going to have a drink. And it'll turn off the anger. Mm-hmm. But my wife still pissed me off, and whatever the issue is, still has to it's be handled. Still there, yeah, it's not, so, it's not going. so coping is good to get, you know, through that moment mm-hmm. of initial anger. But ultimately, you're gonna have to come back to it and and talk to your wife and come up with a solution that both of you can agree on. Um, and that's where you kind of get into the other side of it. It's like the healing part. I wanted to kind of yeah, I'm, I'm bounce I'm, to that. I definitely want to. So same part. scenario. Say my wife. Uh, piss me off and I don't, I'm just beside myself and I'm angry so I'm in this heightened emotional state you go to the bar you know I need a drink uh, I drink and in that moment the drink actually does work 
I mean, uh, liquor or alcohol uh, turns off the brain's or mind's ability to write new memories. It also cuts off reflection or the memory that you just had. So you're able to relax. I mean, alcohol is a depressant. It's a chemical. Uh, and we are puppets on the string based on chemicals. And it is interacting with our mind the same. But ultimately, you got to go home. And you got to face that wife. <laughs> or you can go out. Or Well, that's the thing. And what ends up happening is if you don't handle the issue, you'll revisit the bar over and over and over again. That ain't that ain't no way to live. You know what I mean? And you should be able to find peace at home. So the strategy should be uh, develop a higher vernacular, be able to speak emotionally or this thing called emotional intelligence. And um, we could talk well, about that a little bit further. Yeah, I, I, I actually, even because I'm happy you mentioned that because I want to do a whole episode on just Emotional, emotional intelligence, intelligence, just understanding what that is. Because I, I did, I did like a month long training about that. But that's that's another topic for another day. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> you're the but, expert. But, no, I'm not. A, I'm not an expert. <laughs> you, you you know how they gonna learn some shit. You're like <laughs> you can't wait to tell somebody. Like, look, I done learned some shit. Right. And so uh, we, we'll do a whole other episode on that. But okay. I guess move, moving on. What you're, I think what, what you were getting at is like moving from. Understanding that you can't cope forever. Right. Moving from coping to healing. Like at this point, if there is an issue, a real issue that you and your wife can't get past, uh, I would compel you to uh, find an unbiased party to kind of come in because arguments only happen when you're trying to be right. You're trying to be right. She's trying to be right. But nobody's trying to do the right thing. And is that Mm. fair to your family? The strategy is put tools in place to come to a common ground and as long as you and your wife or you and your spouse or you and your significant other are trying to come to common ground y'all can settle anything i mean finances religion child rearing uh you name it all the things that kind of are you know statistically leading to divorce all those things can be settled in a common ground space that that is the healing that is what that's exactly that's what, what what takes place in the healing is the work it's you the know, work. The, the work gets done, and I mean, I, I I like how you put it in a in a relationship aspect, but there's a lot of people that deal with uh, family issues. You know, like well, with, trauma, with trauma, yeah, yeah, yeah. family trauma, so things, trauma, things trauma they've grown a, up with. Trauma is a unique experience, uh, and why I say it's a unique experience because what could be traumatic to me may not be traumatic to you. Yeah. So I can't tell you. That you've been traumatized yeah. by anything, right? <laughs> yeah, you, you can, yeah, and I can't tell you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when when we talk about trauma, we're talking about that person's unique experience in this thing called life. I could take a child from war-torn Africa, and they could have been a soldier themselves, and I take a child from middle America, and you have two different individuals. That yeah. child put in Africa from middle America would be completely traumatized. And the fact that it's not as war-torn or not as conflicting over here, that African child, that child that we took from that war-torn country, be traumatized by, why is everybody so, you know what I mean? So we are some of our experiences. That's that's crazy because if you think about that, Right. That's all. That's almost like what the reverse of what you think trauma would be, right? Right. Because it's like everybody thinks that trauma is like this, like terrible experience. And because he comes from something that he doesn't really know, right, and is put into a place where it's like this is 
completely different than what I I'm, experience. Yeah, I experience this is more traumatizing. It's more traumatizing. So we're talking about the the inability to resolve the experience. Hmm. That's what we're talking about. So you same scenario with the kids flipped. Mm-hmm. They can't process what's happening. You know, because yeah. this is completely new. I'm terrified. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Trauma. Yeah. Right. And that's what I mean by unique experience. Fast forward to adulthood. How does that play out? Yeah. Um, That plays out in a number of ways, but most traumas, unresolved traumas help develop uh, general anxiety uh, disorder or otherwise. And, and it'll have a different flavor. Some of it is, some people are OCD, obsessive compulsive. Some people are overly controlling. Some people, I mean, I can go down a list of maladies or maladaptive behaviors that come from unresolved trauma. Um, so how do we get that person out of that cycle? I think is what we want to get to the, the crux of. Yeah. And it's, it's, a compli- it's not as complicated, but it is. So what that means is you come see a therapist. That's right. simple. Yeah. That's, that's the simple that, part. That, that, well, some for some. For, for some. For some yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of steps. Yeah, step. Okay. Like I got you, you, got you pick up the phone. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not the heavy lifting. That's not just, the heavy lifting yeah. at all. Okay. The complication comes in the fact that, for one, part of healing, or at least you follow uh, my, met- my, my modality and my methods, mm-hmm. is you have to forgive yourself for participating in that trauma. All right. So how does that look? All right. If you were a victim of, say, um, you were molested as a child, I'm not going to get into the dynamics, dynamics or the demographic of the, the, um, the uh, molester, but just you as a child that say it happened, you're seven, six or seven years old when it happened. Okay. More than likely it's a trusted adult. Somebody you know. Somebody you yeah. know, trusted. T- it could be a trusted teenager, trusted another child, for that matter. I will tell you this as a sidebar: one hundred percent of the molesters in the world were molested. Not every molested person becomes a molester, but those that do, that is a consistent and, statistic. And you know what? I, I did a lot of work with the Department of Juvenile Justice. That was the modality. It That's is. What, that was the or. My girl Ayanla always says that's the pathology, you know. <laughs> that's where it comes <laughs> and, and, from. And, and and you would see it like you. I would read these court cases, these court documents. Yeah, I'd read them for the older brother, and I'd read them for the younger sister. Right. And I and they would they would both have been offenders. Right. And you would read it, and it would look like you're reading the same story. Yep. You know, and so yeah, I mean that's very true what you just said. Right. So for those that, that don't go into the column of actually assaulting other people, mm-hmm. uh, they are struggling more. My, they, I will say that in my experience, I'm not going to generalize the total, mm-hmm. but in my experience, they struggle with maintaining healthy uh, emotional relationships with people that they love, quote unquote love. Uh, they struggle with um, their just emotional health, period. Depression is ever present. Mm-hmm. Some of them are uh, definitely out of the population that I hope to have bipolar. Sexual assault is, uh, is involved. Some have actually entered into the sex worker industry. Okay. I've had a few clients that were. Yeah. And 100% and of the clients that were. Had been molested. Had been molested. And so I, I'm asking you, how do they forgive themselves? Because you're, So you're an adult, right? Yeah. It happened when you were a child. And the guilt that they carry 
is the guilt of an adult that participated in an inappropriate relationship. Is hmm. that fair? No, it's because not fair whatsoever, no. you know you're not 30 years old participating in this event. You were seven. You were six. You were five. I can go further. Yeah. Further. Wow. And what you have to do is, or what I do uh, is, is I compel my my clients to put themselves in the place of that child. Mm. Almost, even though it happened to them, almost an empathy position. Yeah. Where you say, does a six five, six, or seven-year-old understand the complications of a sexual relationship? The obvious answer is no. Did it feel good? More than likely, yes. Because uh, at that age, that's when the child is kind of discovering those body parts. And there's, it, I'm, I'm assuming there's guilt associated with that, too. Well, it, it's it's complicated because the greater trauma is the, the violation mm-hmm. of trust. Yeah. But the fact that it felt good and they participated in it, is the part that kind of compels the guilt. So what ends up happening as the adult, you have to say that child didn't know any better. That sounds reasonable, but to the person that it happened to, it just happened to them. Because right now, at our age, we're still that child. We can't erase the experience. It's like it happened yesterday. That's why it's present in their lives. Even though it happened... 20 something years ago, it's, 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 it's still, it's still present. almost it's still like it's there. still fresh. Whenever it's somebody comes and talks about something, it triggers. It triggers. Yeah. So it's still there. So you have to put, you have to, it's different techniques to do it, but you try to put them in the, in the mindset of looking at themselves as a child and mm-hmm. loving on that child and saying, I forgive you for participating in this because you didn't understand this was inappropriate at the time. I mean, that's it. It's, it's all, it, once again, I'm saying it simply, but it's yeah, a, it's but, a yeah. I know, process. I know it's deeper. You know, I yeah. know it's like it's a lot that goes into that. But man, like for for those that it's an oxymoron almost, right? Because it's like you said, you're forgiving a child for doing for participating in something mm-hmm. that they may not even had any control over, right? Because they didn't know any better, or not even they didn't know any better. They were taken advantage of, whatever the right. case may be. It's like, why should you have to? Like, I know that's. Well, I know all of that break comes down I mean, in, in, into the. So like, here are the themes. Mm-hmm. The guilt is, why didn't I say something? Uh, why did when they told me, hey, this is a secret? Why didn't I go tell uh, such and such and such? Yeah, such? I see, you know. Okay. That, yeah. That I, thing. I, so you're you're putting a a thirty year old's mind in a child of the six or seven you, years got old. Got you. So that's you, why. That's you, why you have to go back and be like you. Didn't was, know any better. You were afraid. There was still, and I forgive you for being. Now afraid. I get the guilt. Now right. I get the guilt. Right. I, I understand that. So you forgive yourself. Is that is that when the breakthrough happens? Is that when that is the breakthrough. That is, honestly, okay, because gotcha. I, I'll never compel someone to forgive a rapist. I'll never compel someone to forgive. Like say the child did tell. There's been many a story mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the daughter or the son told the mother that the boyfriend. Or in a girlfriend did something inappropriate, and they chose the lover over the child. So I can't tell. I wouldn't tell uh, someone to start taking steps to forgive that person. Yeah, uh, that's on them. Yeah. If they decide that that's what they want to do, I'm there to help them to that process. Gotcha. But the first step to healing is forgiving your participation. There's a, a book I I read and I referred a few of my patients. It's called. Lord, I can't even remember the author's name, but the book is called Radical Forgiveness. And it teeters dangerously on the edge of the victim is at fault. What? Yeah. 
it teeters dangerously. Right. And, and what I mean by teeters dangerously, <laughs> the per, the author of the book and is, is Colin. We can Google we'll, it. We'll, we'll find it. We'll, we'll, we'll find, find it. it. But but the the point is, he's saying in the book, I am not saying that the woman that wore the skimpy outfit deserved to be raped. What we're saying is, is that the woman that put on the outfit that night. Colin Tipping. Colin Tipping. The woman that put on that outfit that night participated in what happened. She was there when it happened. Yeah. I mean, that's what I guess. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah. it's your, like, because the, the, the aftermath of said incidents, rapes, assaults, is the whole, how come I didn't do? Why didn't I do that? Yeah. That, and that whole guilt trip that bears on you. I mean, initially, the trauma of someone in your space itself is tremendous. But the most painful, in my humble opinion, is the internal yeah, the, the battle on the inside. The battle on the inside. Yeah. What could I have done differently? I was there. It happened. That person did it. And you take that anger out of you and direct it appropriately. Gotcha. And that's what I'm saying. Like, forgive the guilt that you've put, that on, you yourself put on yourself and then and put it put where it. it really belongs. So that's what made it dang- like when people when he tried to explain it, mm-hmm. people were like, "Are you out of your yeah, damn yeah, mind?" Yeah, but then, you know, and, <laughs> I mean, because like, because because it, it's not a surface level. It's not, but that's what it, society is doing. Yeah, They're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Oh, because she wore a miniskirt." That's what you're saying. No, 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 no. no. You know, it it starts with inside of you, releasing you have, releasing your, your guilt. Onto, onto who, it, who the, it really belongs to. Got you, got you. So and and that's why I say I can never compel someone that has been a victim of assault mm-hmm. to be like, oh, well, go ahead and forgive the person that that. No, I, I don't have any. Yeah, I, I don't have no part in that. Now, if you want to do that, I can tell you the steps for that. Uh, got you. Now, I would say that if any example that we use where the mother chose the lover over the child, if your mother's still alive. Chances are there's a lot of um, family issues that are a result of it. And if you have children, do you want your children to have a relationship with their grandmother? Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, so, but it, me personally, no. Like that's. But, but, but understand what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. When we talk about coping versus strategy. Yeah. Tactical versus, versus strategy. Yeah, tactical versus All strategy. Right, right. So strategy is I would want my children to. You know, this is it happened 25 years ago, and my mother's still alive. You know, da 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 da. She, the children always ask where you come from if they don't already know. Like, yeah, if if the, if the spouse's mother and father is still alive, and they were like, Well, daddy, where, where's your mommy and daddy? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Had- you, you ready to answer those questions? So, in those instances, you know, there are steps you can do to kind of help build a bridge. But if the mother is still in denial of the yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is like because that's at that point you're talking about protect you. You you, she didn't protect you, but it's your job to protect Protect them. That's right. And so that's why I say like it'd be especially if they haven't come to terms with what was wrong in the situation. I would, I would. It would be more difficult for me. I will argue one point, and the point is your relationship with your mother and father will never be the relationship your children have with your mother and father. Have you ever heard, have you ever told your parents how much you love your grandparents? Like, they so nice. They just so, they did mm-hmm. And your mom and daddy look at you like, 
you have no idea who yeah, you're talking that's about. That's true. Your yes. relationship will never be the same. No, I mean, I, I so, see that playing I, out now. You right, know, like, right. Wait, wait. <laughs> I, I don't even recognize my mama. Right. right. And, and I was like, uh, it, it, I'd be like, uh, you, you used to whoop me for less. Like, if you, <laughs> you're like, like, who is this? Thing, things are happening. I'm waiting to see that that the lady that was. It is that the same. Bad. That is a consistent story. Wow. That's, I, now yeah. you know you can limit access mm-hmm. or monitor access, but what you'll see is that that dynamic helps child development, and that's that's why it's complicated because. <sighs> You know, life is complicated. Life is complicated. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but we can make it a lot easier if you work with f- those that have been trained and have tools to kind yeah. of push through these issues and, and get to the crux of the matter. Now, both parties have to agree. Yes. In that instance, to define to resolution. resolution. And but, I think, and and just taking it because you know we did you we use molestation as 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 one one piece of it. The role because molestation is not always the the, the well. That's the not level the only trauma. trauma in the world. That's that's a that's right. a high level of right. well, or it's it's a, it's a level of trauma that we know takes a whole lot of work. Right. When we're just discussing healing, what role in in some other generic types of you know issues that people grow up with does family play in in healing? You know, like you know you you'll see. You know, I mean, I watch a lot of TV, so you'll you'll see okay. TV shows where you see drug addicts or whatever, and they always bring the family in, and so well, yeah, I mean, addiction is a is an emotional black hole for not just the addicted but those around them because it just pulls everything because you you have hope and faith and you want to believe in your loved one and you pour into them and pour into them and and in essence. Sometimes that's overwhelming for them because there's there's a guilt layer involved in that. They they recognize when they're not under the influence. They recognize the impact of their use. Yeah. When I uh, worked with clients through addiction, part of the process was to bring in the family, uh, and we had families. We had the uh, the client identify people that were really important to them, have them write letters. And, you know, and give them to me as, as your therapist. And I would, you know, read yeah, over read them. them. And then in group, we would give them to uh, the gender specific group member and have them read it. So if your mother wrote it, I would give it to a female member of the group, so on and so forth, or a male. I try to not read any because what I don't want to have happen is there to be uh, a reflection of the person. Yeah, on, on you. Because yeah, I'm you, supposed, to be, supposed the, to be helping them. Yeah. Right. And so have them read those letters. The other practice we do was um, most addiction programs are based on 12-step. You know, first admitting that you have a yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, steps, it's, it's 12, but, but I'm just saying it, it's a 12-step yeah, program. Yeah, I, I, so I we, have heard those. Right. So we, we, at the uh, practice that I was uh, working with, AA follows the same kind of model okay. in terms of vernacular and stuff. But we would have them write examples of things they had done under these principles. Like yeah. people that I've offended, people that I've hurt, the property that I've damaged, yada, yada, yada. And they would have to write it and read it in front of everybody in the group. Now, that sounds a little daunting, but the reality was, as it's being read, if you look around the room, heads are just like this. Because the person, the individuals that they're talking to in the group have committed the same, the same yeah, pretty same much act, the same. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was, it's uncanny 
you have 15 people, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different ethnicities, all suffering from addiction, and the behaviors are the same. Mm-hmm. And that's how people were able to say addiction is a disease. Yes. Because it, a cold looks like a cold on, on, on everybody, everybody else. else. On everybody, yeah. So yeah. it's the same with that. And it's just a behavioral, it's an emotional behavioral disease. And I mean, it gets and it shows you the the power of relation. That's right. We talked about the whole, you you don't know me. Right. You know, like, you, you don't know you me. You cut through that. Yeah, right. you got to cut through that and then you're able to see that, you know what, even though people come from different places yep. and have different backgrounds, oh, they, there are people out here that know you. Right. Yeah. So what does that do for the individual or for everybody? It removes that same guilt monster that suffered on the molestation side, that suffered on any trauma. You know, whether it's I witnessed the shooting, survivor's guilt. Guilt, to me, is pretty much a tipping point for people emotionally. Because inherently, we're good people. We're good. We're good. good. Yeah, great. But now we've done something so bad. Yeah. And we can't resolve the two. The rest is history, if you will. Yeah. You know, and then it turns into I'm afraid to let Sam know that I've shot at people and they've shot at me. You know, and that yeah. guilt, the cat, yeah, just the guilt. It, the, so the, it's social guilt, the like social just, guilt, yeah, just, the anxiety yeah. that comes from it is like yeah. I don't want him looking at me different. Yeah, and you're constantly judging yourself. So when we talk about healing, I'm talking about taking out that guilt, detoxifying. Yeah, most the most detoxifying element uh, in our experience or our existence is the sun. If you put anything in the sun long <laughs> enough, it will bleach it out of yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stop signs of white. That's right. So yeah. the, it emotionally, yeah. put light on your issue. Put light on your guilt. And if you put enough light on it, put enough sunlight on it, right? Hey, man, there's a word right here. It's going to bleach it out. It's going <laughs> It's going to be not effective anymore. It's not going to be tainted anymore. Yeah. And that's why it's important to talk about. That's why therapy is important. That's why group therapy is important. That's why finding programs in your community where you could find out that you're not the only person going through it is really important. I'm, I'm glad you said that because for the people that are listening, I'm, I'm sure there's somebody that needs to know. Like we, we said, like the first step is probably going, you know, finding somebody, picking up yeah. the phone, getting therapy. But they may not know where, you know, is a good place to find that those type of resources. So what, you know, do what would you recommend? Where, what place? I mean, there, there in the, in the greater Atlanta area, and I'm pretty sure in other municipalities, there are tons of programs. The ones that, that comes to mind or the one that comes to mind, uh, because I believe the service is offered for those with insurance or not, which okay. means oh, maybe there could be a fee or not. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. it's cause it's yeah. through a church and greatest travelers rest also known as the House of Hope, uh, the minister is E. Dewey Smith. The Good Bros. The Good Bros. Yes. And uh, they rolled out a program, licensed therapists, anything and everything you need is housed in that in that building. And uh, I would definitely recommend it. I don't want them, you know, I'm it, sure they it, want to be booked out. but it, is, is it... <laughs> Is it religious-based? No, my understanding is that, I mean, you have a little bit of both. I mean, and to be fair in all of this, if if you don't consider spirituality a real thing, then that's your first hurdle. You know, there's a... There's a way I can I can kind of tell you how there's a, a different experience outside of just the physical experience that we have going on. 
uh, a real quick, if you have a second, yeah, yeah, a real ahead. quick way to know is when you're born, you're given a name, right? Yeah. And you know your name, Sam, Sam, yes. Sam, Sam, Sam. You could be asleep, knocked out. Yeah. And kids running around making all types of noise. Nothing's waking you up. Mm-hmm. But if someone says your name, what happens? You up. There's an experience that's external going on yeah. that, that your soul, your spirit will yeah. always hear. Yeah, that's true. Or if you've ever had a moment where you just felt, I need to, I need to do something, something. And it turns out it was the best move. Let, let, let me let me tell you that this and we're kind of going off on a tangent, right? But we got to talk about this. All right, you here? You listening? We're going to talk about it. KRS One. Okay. He, he talks about the fifth dimension, which is the spiritual dimension, right. and he was saying that when you speak to yourself, what voice is talking and what ears are listening, right? And and if you think about it, he says, you know, you 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 tell yourself something, right? But something spoke. And something heard. Right. But nothing came out of you physically. Right. right. And so you ask yourself, what is that thing? And that thing is your spiritual self. self. The mind, the mind and the brain are not the same. This is the biggest argument in psychology today. And what I what I broke down to you was I said your name. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's the mind. Yeah. Your brain is your body needs rest, so let's take us offline. We're gonna start repairing, digesting, metabolizing food to repair muscle. Da da da. Like it's stay breathing. We yeah. gotta keep breath going. Da da da. You know what I mean? Like you, I've heard so many stories of people that could hear loved ones and people calling their name after they had passed away. Yeah. Even though you were able to bring them back, mm-hmm. they could actually still yeah hear. The hear. brain is still functioning. The mm-hmm. mind is still functioning. My personal experience with soul and, and body was when my mother passed. Yeah. She, her body temperature immediately changed when she took her last breath. Mm. Like I was holding her. Yeah. And I literally felt the temperature change. Sheesh. And in the way you, if you find someone that passed and you touch their body, that the, the chill that's there mm-hmm. is there. It's the craziest thing. Mm. It happens in seconds. Yeah. And I said, this has got to be metaphysical there is no possible, yeah, there's no, there's way, no yeah. physical way for this to be the case to have to be able to happen, happen that, that fast. fast yeah and so um with that being said i i tell people all the time if you hear anything spiritual don't run from it you know hear it out yeah be comfortable questioning it don't run from it because there even if you don't rock with that i've treated atheists yeah and I was able to put it in terms that that match their thinking, and they and they have that ability. Yeah, and I think you know with what you said, you know, you can still get help. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Whether or not you believe in the the, the religion, right? Because there know, are behavioral th- things yes. that we bring we can bring to the table. Yes. So uh, definitely seek it out. But there's always uh, programs out there. Luckily, especially in the Greater Atlanta area, uh, that you can participate in that are not. I guess they're not for profit. I guess is a yes. better approach to, to to describe them. Okay, Mikhail, we're definitely gonna have to do more. Okay, like it's, it's because it is very important conversation. I, like I said, I want to get into emotional intelligence. We're talk we talk coping versus healing, but I also want to get into mental health. Okay, you know that's a, that's another. You mean personality disorders? Like yes, like uh, yeah, actual like getting into the. Yeah, that that would be. 
a disorder per show. Yeah, I mean, but but look, hey, look, if we have to do that, because the thing about it is people are going through things and they, they, there, there are some people that just don't know, you know, what they don't know. I'm going to give you a quick and dirty, if you, if you don't mind, we can wrap on that. Mm -hmm. And and what I will tell anyone out there trying to discern whether things are uh, more than just, I'm having a bad day. If your mindset is keeping you from taking care of your responsibilities. Meaning if you if you feel the need to disconnect so much that you don't answer the phone when loved ones call, you don't eat the way you should. If friends say, hey, let's go work out, you don't feel like doing it. If you find that you stop enjoying stuff that you used to enjoy all the time. Feeling lonely, which is... Now studies are coming out. That's like the number two leading cause of death. I mean, it, you, in the world of social media and connection, you would, and think, all, it would, yeah. you would think it'd be it'd be you know going it down. Went the but look, way. It went it, the yeah, way. When it, because the connection's not real. Right. And, and so, so that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you find that those your strained connections, family issues, all that stuff is tied back to you, whether you want to take accountability for it or not, but you recognize that it's happening in your world. I recommend you pick up the phone and call somebody and just do a checkup. We go, we do a physical. You should be doing a physical annually. Yeah, we do one for our bodies. Why not for our minds? And it doesn't cost you anything. But Say that one 40, more time. Which part? We do that for our bodies. <laughs> yeah, we do it for our bodies, but not for our minds. And But yet they coexist. Yes. All right. So there could be, a, there could be emotional cancers that's killing you. Because uh, like I said earlier, somatization is the mental becoming physical. You know, mm-hmm. stress becomes physical. Cortisol hormones get into the body. Over time, that can turn into cancer. That can turn into heart disease. That can turn into stroke. It's important. It's, to me, the most important. My mother had stage four breast cancer and was told she was going to live less than a year or two mm-hmm. at most. She lived 15 years. Sheesh. Off of her mind. mind. Yeah, tell you, the wow. mind the mind will heal your body. And it wasn't even cancer that killed her. Now take that, you know, and, and tell me the mind is not important. Hey, man, that's 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 the power right there. That it's is the, power the 100% mind. power of the mind. And mindset, attitude. T- Mikhail, tell these people where they can find you. Oh, man, I, I'm everywhere, but I... <laughs> <laughs> In these streets. In, in these streets. I'm good on any MLK. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> so uh, you can find me on Instagram. My uh, Instagram for mental health is Tell Mikkel. Uh And just reach out to me, DM me or whatever. And if you need uh, resources, I can point you in the right direction. And I look forward to helping you. Yeah. I mean, and if you, you have any questions or concerns or things that you, you just want to get out to us, we are you good bruh podcast at gmail.com. Right, I, think, I think we're good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Right. See y'all next time. Take it easy. Peace.